to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. This is episode 129, and it's Aaron, Dave, and Fredo with you as always. How are you doing, guys? Hi, I'm doing well. Of course you yeah, are. I'm doing suck, suckingly awesome, yeah. I thought Fredo was going to say, I'm doing suckily or something like that. But <laughs> Dave, we know you're happy because you've got an Oktoberfest. You're like one of those you're annoying, no. you know, uh, pumpkin spice latte people what with the oktoberfest he's really happy guys um no see like okay so this is a it's a misnomer and, and some people don't know this right oktoberfest technically starts in september yeah now yes we're early but it's only a few weeks early it's not like three months early so and it's not like eating king cake before Mardi Gras season before Carnival, so no, never. That would yeah. that would be uh, ridiculous. Given the fact that you got a million Halloween decorations and candy already in stores, an Oktoberfest beer is not I've, the worst thing in the world. I've seen Christmas decorations already, so yeah. You know, uh, so well, okay. First of all, do you have a favorite Oktoberfest? Because I mean, everybody has an Oktoberfest. I mean. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Though I even have a favorite, to be honest. Um, have, you South, a, it... have you have you yet to hit a bad one? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, you know, uh, St. Arnold. From I think they brew out of Houston. They're in Texas They're somewhere. In Texas somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think I was a big fan of theirs when I tried theirs once. That's interesting because they they actually make some pretty good beers. Um, they do okay. They do okay. But yeah, that I think that one I was just like, it was too much. Sure. Um, yeah, like when they try to like make it into some kind of an IPA thing, hybrid thing, then you, no, no, no. So okay, so welcome to the Houdat Jedi beer talk. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of funny because I got a couple beer stories here. I've actually been stocking lager more in my refrigerator, which is, if you know me, is very odd for me, and it's because I've become so disillusioned with IPAs. I used to love IPAs. <laughs> But they've become so citrusy and so hazy. It's like I, I, it, they're just not really enjoyable. That's why I love Boulevard's Pale Ale. It's not an IPA. It's just a pale ale. It's just a good flavored, full-bodied beer. Um, so I just need needed a palate cleanser. So it's like I, you know, um, yeah. But uh, so I will tell you about the worst beer I've ever had. And the worst beer I've ever had came in a Sam Adams um fall was it a fall pack yeah and it was they had a roush beer have you ever had a roush beer that that doesn't ring a bell all right well anyway so my friend and i my friend is a craft brewer so it's like neither one of us will turn our nose up to beer and we opened up we got the roush beer out and you know what you're jeans smell like after you've sat in front of a campfire all night what they smell like the next morning imagine liquefying that (laughs) that's what this beer tasted like and we couldn't finish a half a beer between the two of us we just put it away it was like ugh, that was the worst beer i've ever had was a sam adams roush beer um would you like for me to ruin sam adams for you forever sure it tastes like bug spray. 
You know, that's it's interesting. Now I want to go have a Sam Adams to find out because I, that's not actually it's never been one of my go tos. Um, they, my they, friend, again, friend they of have, mine said that to me. He said it tastes like bug spray. I can't I can't drink that. And that very I next had, one. Oh my god! I had somebody I can't drink this. I had somebody tell me that uh, they didn't like IPAs because it tasted like hairspray, and there's some accuracy there. Uh, but anyway, okay, so. Now, I'm not saying, so you, you went to Missouri on vacation. You were kind enough to bring me back a, uh, a case of Boulevard. It was a sample pack, and it, was, uh, it made, my, made my day. And um, one of the beers in that sample pack was the Carrot Sizen. That's right, kids, yeah. Carrot Sizen. And I remember we had a talk. It's like, it'd be interesting to see how this goes. And so I finally had one last night. And I pour it. It's a lovely shade of orange. It's definitely definitely a carrot color. Okay. And, and and the first taste, I was like, wow, it's kind of nice. And then, th- then it was like the aftertaste, what just sits in the back mm-hmm. of your mouth was just like, mm-hmm. oh, that's that's not all that. That's not my that's not the best thing in the world. And so I was like, yeah. take take another drink of it. Oh, that was pretty good. And then I was like, oh, that back taste is back it's worse and then it's like third one in i was like not done so boulevard carrot size on not 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 the best um but you can I, now i now that i've ruined it you two will have to try it and it's not like it's not the roush beer I'm it's, not the, it's not the roush yeah. beer but it was just it was one of those things that was very interesting where the where they hit you and you're like hey that's pretty good oh, i don't like that anymore you know <laughs> so see and this is why I will always maintain if you want good beer, you go to the Germans. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Well, I, no, I was, uh, I went out to visit my, a college friend of mine out in Germany and, uh, forget, first of all, we have to go find, we have to go get lost in the middle of Bavaria because he was looking for the Schneider Weiss number five. Which apparently you couldn't, you can only get it so often, but no, but we're watching this really bad movie and he has me try this 12% alcohol by volume beer. By the way, it's uh 40. Yeah. So the, the thing is, it's smooth. It's just smooth. It's a nice balk. Real smooth and just enjoying it, enjoying it. I go, I got to get up to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. And I try to get up and I go, my legs go, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, never mind. Wait, what happened? Why did the world start spinning again? And when did it stop? So oh my God. I was surprised at how strong they make it. But that's usually one of the things. A lot of American uh, beer manufacturers, they hide the ABV by mixing in stuff with flavor. This was just a smooth beer that just, okay, it's nice, it's nice. Oh, wow, I'm drunk, never mind. <laughs> so, and, and, and with so, all due respect, you're a bigger guy. So it's like, you know, normal mortals would probably have been, you know, gone. Half, normal you know. mortals would have stopped. They would have yeah. known where to stop. And, and uh, exactly. <laughs> right. so, well, that was, that was a lot. That was yeah. a lot of beer talk right off the bat. And, uh, and I, I, I could go on the whole episode. Maybe we have a beer episode because I, I studied abroad in Germany for a year. And what was so her I, name? Oh, I'm sorry. Getting <laughs> 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 ganks. Sorry, folks. That was just a layup. All right. So you studied in Germany. Okay. I did for a year. And uh, it was, uh, I was on the beer diet basically for a year of my life. And uh, well, 21, perfect timing. So, well, it it was when I was um, well past 21 and I was uh, just started playing in an Irish band back in Nebraska. 
and we got our gig was at the local brewery and I was still a Bud Light drinker at this time. And so, yeah, don't make that face, Fredo. Uh, but anyway, I was still a Bud Light drinker at that time. And so we go to play gigs. And I'm like, if I want to have a beer, I'm going to have to drink this guy's beer. And so I just developed this taste for good beer. And I ended up liking yeah. the, his porter and loved his porter. And I was like, man, if I can drink a porter, I could probably have a Guinness now. Because Guinness was like totally, at, now Guinness is like my life's blood you know that makes me sound like i have a problem i love guinness um but uh, then i we started hanging out i started uh, going to um place with some friends every tuesday we had pint night and it was a craft a couple craft brewers and so it was like beer snob 101 so mm-hmm. yeah you need to find eventually sometime after your college years you need to find somebody who will teach you in the ways of good beer as I said, like, 21 was the perfect age for me to do that because, like, I was at the Bud Light stage of things, you know, the Keystone, drink as much as you can and, and hurl it back up. All um, right, Fredo, he just said Keystone, and you didn't even blink an eye. Come on. Bud Light is like well, champagne according you know, compared to Keystone. We're anyway. talking about college, right? Anyway, uh, yeah. Go, imagine going from that, right? Like, this is your... This is your experience level. And then you go to Germany where they have every brewing standard that you could imagine and every local brew. Like this, this was like, you know, if you think about like local craft brewing is like such a big thing in this country now, it did not exist 25 years ago. No. It just, it was, you know, you know, there might've been a brew pub in your town, right? That, that they were the local beer but like otherwise you didn't like local beer what are you talking about sam adams was probably the closest thing that you had to a craft brew none Um, of it was regional and like going to germany where it's all regional is all brewed to a certain level of standard and it's just yeah like it took me a while to warm up to it because again i was used to water beer that just you know was terrible for you but like eventually yeah no it's future, worth it's worth the effort future episode um we'll just list star wars characters and we have to decide what kind of beer they would drink <laughs> that's a good idea let's write that one based, down. based on their based on uh, yeah. just their their character personality uh, right all right well let's get into some star wars that. stuff um tonight actually we're going to be talking about uh underrated um, elements of Star Wars. We're all going to be talking about the most underrated movie, most underrated scene, and the most underrated character. So we're going to see um, if we align. We haven't told each other who our choices are. Um, but uh, first, let's start with some trivia because we skipped trivia last week. So Fredo, I'm going to give you a hard one since you smirked at me drinking Bud Light. Um what troubled twosome does Rogue Two locate on Hoth? Oh, come on. Actually, it's funny. So I was just watching that this morning because they kept, they kept, they've got it on a repeat on TNT. Uh, that would be Han and Luke. It would be Han and Luke. All right, what was the, for bonus point, what was the name of Rogue Two? Just his Zeb. first name. What? Zeb. It is Zeb, yeah. Not Zeb, but Zeb. Zeb, uh, yeah, but uh, Dave, to you. Yes. Which film features a revered tribal medicine man named Low Gray? 
funny fact, I actually had Bud Light with the guy who played Low Gray in Omaha, Nebraska. Sat there and shared a beer with him. So anyway. Yeah. That would be Return of the Jedi. It was Return of the Jedi. It was Return of the Jedi. I don't even have to look. And yeah. I, ha- I have Low Gray's uh, autograph back here on a figure as well. Uh, you know, like, okay, I will say, though, like, if you're from the younger set and you didn't collect action figures, it's entirely possible that you're like, Low Gray? That was that character's name? Because it's... It's true. Yeah, but, like, we all collected the action figures. It was right in the box. Yep. It's like, yeah. Yep, that's how, you, that's how you learn most of your stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> all right, to me, who leads the opposition to the Military Creation Act in the Senate? Well, I'm going to say Padme Amidala. Yes. Didn't know if uh, Bail Organa had taken that. Yeah, yeah. Who takes the title of leader of the opposition? All right. Well, we're all warmed up now. So let's throw it to Fredo for some Star Wars news. So right quick, uh, actually came out a couple of days ago. And given the fact that we're about to get Andor... Uh, on Disney Plus next month, Disney is going to bring Rogue One, a Star Wars story, back to theaters. So it's just going to be one extended uh, weekend at the end of this month. So it's going to be on IMAX screens only from August 26th, so next Friday, through August 30th. Along with the movie, there's going to be a quote-unquote exclusive look at the Disney Plus's new Andor series. So more likely it's going to be a, an expanded trailer showing a bit more of the show. Uh, but yeah, you get a chance. If you haven't seen Rogue One in the theater, there's your chance to do so. If you've seen it and you want to see it in IMAX, there's your chance to do so. And if you've done all that and just want to go back and watch uh, one of the best uh, Star Wars movies that we've got <laughs> in recent times, well, there's your chance to do that's so. Not gonna be on, that's not on Fredo's list. Oh, um you know, a funny thing is, I've never seen anything on IMAX before. So there's a good chance. Um, but yeah, actually, I'm trying to remember. Last IMAX movie that I saw, actually, and I made an effort to go see it in IMAX, was uh, Pacific Rim, the Guillermo del Toro oh, kaiju yeah. versus mecha movie. See, and as I said, not every movie fits IMAX. That one fitted to a T. Like, I for me, it was Dunkirk. I think saw oh, Dunkirk and. IMAX and that was an experience yeah because Nolan Christopher Nolan likes using the IMAX cameras to actually film mm-hmm. movies so you actually get more movie if you go to IMAX with that so uh, moving right along right quick then so hopefully you know get to see it next weekend tickets are on sale right now if you go to any uh, theaters website you can buy them right now so they're not going for $40 like some people are saying uh they were interviewing, talking to uh, Ewan McGregor about Obi-Wan Kenobi and naturally asking him, hey, would you be interested in a season two? And of course, he's like, look, we didn't plan season one. We just thought it was going to be a magic, you know, magic trick that came to life. So, uh, but talking about it, he makes, you know, he's talking to, uh, it was a fan expo Boston and they're asking him about what the original story for the Obi-Wan movies like TV show was going to be. And he said, it's quote, Originally, it was going to be a story about me and Luke. It was always going to be that. And that was one of the genius moments where everyone went, wait a minute, and we changed it. And the big change, of course, that they go, instead of focusing on Obi-Wan and Luke, 
make it Obi-Wan and Leia. So that's really where it allowed them to start thinking, okay, now we can take the character out of the Tatooine, out of the desert, actually plot the idea of bringing him back into conflict with uh, um, with Darth Vader. So yeah, he's 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 open to uh, if for some reason you know he says he's heard nothing. There's no ideas right now, no talk whatsoever. But he'd be open to coming back. Whoever whoever was in the room that said no, don't make it about you and Luke. That that person deserves a medal. <laughs> Give him Chewbacca's medal. Um, Give him a healthy raise. All right, <clears throat> because uh, that there would have been some serious uh, teeth cringing. You know, it's like. It's. It would have been tough to. I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi. You know, it's like how dumb are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, but but also like the idea that he's married, he's chained to the hip to Luke, right? And so, like, why would Luke ever leave planet when he, when Baru and Owen are like, no, 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 you're a farmer, son, you're staying here. So it's like there's a storytelling block right off the bat from ever moving Luke away from Tatooine. So now you're chained to Tatooine and it just limits you tremendously. It's one of the smartest things they could have done was do Leia instead. The literally probably the only person that could have gotten Obi-Wan off planet at that point. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. They, it was a really smart choice. Well, I'm just thinking about it from the standpoint of, even with the story that we got, people were complaining about the pacing of some of the middle chapters in the series, like episode two, the second episode, the third episode. There were some complaints from fans about, come on, let's get because the, they wanted to get some Vader Wars versus fans Obi-Wan. Never. Imagine if it had just been three episodes of him just sitting in the desert. That's what I was worried with. about this whole time. It was like, you know, come on, Luke, let's go to the grocery store. You know? <laughs> It would have been riots. Uh, I'm going to show you how I feed my uh, camel creature this this cut of meat. You want to pet my Uh, yopi? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I need an adult. I am an adult. Uh, Speaking of coming back to Star Wars, uh, there was an interview on Sirius XM with Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac must listen to our podcast because he heard my bit of uh, my bit of advice to John Boyega last week. Keep going. So here's this quote, you know, because they ask him about Poe Dameron and Star Wars. Because uh, remember, he just did Moon Knight earlier this year, and I think he's back in Egypt filming season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the rumor because some some fan got him and the the showrunner for Moon Knight on a ferry, and they're like, "Well, why else will we be here anyway?" talking to SiriusXM and they're talking to him about Poe Dameron and his quote goes like this I'm open to anything you never know but I have no real feeling one way or the other I'm open to any kind of a good story good thing to do time is the one thing that becomes much more challenging as you get older with kids and all that it's like where's these things fit realizing there's not time for all of it but if there's a great story and a great director and Kathy came to me so Kathleen Kennedy came to me and said, hey, we've got this idea. I'm so open to it, end quote. So the guy's telling you. That's what you do. That's what you do. And you even put in a little bit of a, in there. It's like, you know what? But the clock's ticking because my kids are in blah, blah, blah. You know, then that might make the studio go, oh, okay, let's get this Poe Dameron thing, you know, going while we can, you know. Um, but yeah, so no, 
kids, that's how you do it. Anyway. Don't close doors. You don't open doors. You just. Oscar likes money. He, he, he must he must be thinking he's going to need that house because he did at, at the very uh, at the very beginning once Rise of Skywalker came out he's he said only if I ever need a new house or something like that so um, yeah, he must need wow. a new house but but just think about it from the standpoint of if you wanted to progress the story from where the sequels left and I'm not sure what the plans for that are if they're even thinking about that right now if they're formulating them Poe Dameron's an easy character to just bring on as general hero of the resistance Poe Dameron and kind of the guy who has taken on a mantle similar to Princess Leia did in the sequels. So if you wanted to bring him in to a story where he's kind of guiding the post First Order uh, uh, galaxy, he could be, he'd be excellent in a far easier way where there'd be no questions or issues unlike, say, uh, bringing Finn back, you know, without explaining all the stuff that we want to do or uh or even ray why not make you know, him why not make him chancellor of the republic i mean who else would be of given who's left i mean they blew up hosnian prime so like theoretically all the politicians are gone anyway and he's the like you said he's basically the eisenhower of you know <clears throat> of the resistance so he could find himself in that you know I'm the leader and oh, like whoa over my head type of a type of a deal. So anyway, he also cameoed in Resistance, yeah. which some people probably forget. Um, so a small role is not beneath him. He has shown he has shown he's willing to cameo. So uh, I think this is cool. Like again, if they ever need him, even if it's not in a leading role, they can they know that they can potentially turn to him. He, he could be the next Bail Organa, just popping up in Project yeah. Left, Right, and Center. Okay. So. You know about Okay. So you said you just watched Rogue One recently, Dave. Mm -hmm. And it's coming out. We just thought it's coming out in IMAX. You know what? One of the things I was, I was watching it on TNT the other, when they were doing one of their gazillion Star Wars runs. And um, you know what bothers me about that movie is that when Bail Organa comes on the screen for the first time, they play the Force theme. I like it. It no, it's it does not make it does not make sense that it yeah does it, not. yeah it, it's okay. So thematically, you're taking a callback to the time of the Jedi. Yeah, but, mm, they're not talking about Jedi at that point. They just uh, they yeah. It, well, ultimately they do. You know, they're, what about your Jedi friend? You know, so mm, like he's yeah. the touch. You're you're stretching. All right, this is for a different but they're <laughs> different conversation. No, it bothers me. Um, all right. Fredo, one last story. Uh, yeah, one last bit of news. Actually, it's some good news. Uh, so the nominations for the Saturn Awards, which are one of the two big uh, science fiction fantasy do you awards. Get a, do you get a new car or what? Is it? No, there's usually usually there's a Saturn Award and so there's a Nebula Award. Historically, they're the two big sci-fi fantasy awards that get given out every year. Don't know if you get a car, but anyway. Uh, the Disney Plus Star Wars slate got about 10 nominations, including animated series for The Bad Batch, science fiction series for The Mandalorian, limited event series for Obi-Wan Kenobi, actor in a streaming series, so you for you McGregor, actress in a streaming series for Ming-Na Wen for Book of Boba Fett, which I find interesting that she's the one who got recognized in there because, well, she's awesome. Uh, supporting actress, 
uh, Moses Ingram for Obi-Wan Kenobi. A performance by a younger actor, Vivian Lyra Blair, I'm sorry, uh, Princess Leia for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then guest performance in a streaming series, Rosario Dawson in The Mandalorian and Hayden Christensen in Obi-Wan Kenobi. So uh, awards will be revealed on October 25th. So it's interesting that, uh, yeah. Of course, a lot of the competition, it's like Loki, Moon Knight, Falcon and Winter Soldier, like like this, it's, it leans heavily on Disney Plus and Marvel, and uh, it'll be interesting, you know, if they, their own projects stay up battle each other. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to make a hot take that I don't know if Ming-Na Wen, as much as I adore her, I don't know if she did anything in the Book of Boba Fett worthy of an award. Well, that's kind of what I meant. That's kind of what I meant. It's interesting that uh, she gets nominated as the lead actress in the series, which she is. But also, that's a show where, you know, she was saying, you know, it was only a few moments here and there because it was primarily focused on Boba Fett's story. And then when we get back to the present, we swing right back to go pick up uh, Mandalorian, Tinjarin. Mm-hmm. And then bring her back. So it's like, and then for the big finale, she's gone for most of the episodes. And again, my my comment is not based on her performance, but just on right. it was, you know, how it was done for this series or for this season of that show. But right. anyway, and that's it for the news. Right on. Cool. Well, let's talk about underrated stuff. Uh, you know, we last week we talked about you know the scenes that made everybody hate Star Wars. Um, so we decided to, you know, kind of stand up for the underdogs, as Dave put it in our private messaging. Underrated uh, story, or underrated movie, underrated um, scene, and underrated actor. So, or not actor, but character. Um, so, where do you guys want to start? Do you want to start with the movie and go to scene and go to character? Because I well, think you... we'll get. I think we'll probably get more discussion out of the character, probably part of it. But um, I don't know, whatever you guys want to start. I think I'd like to go last out of the three of us, though, but just because you know me, I can't pick one thing. So like, See, I'm hoping I, that you guys will narrow it down for me a little I, bit. I'm worried that we're going to step on each other here because I actually... Okay, so let's start with movie. I, I, I will go ahead and start. I have two. Um, I have two, and I think the... Uh, the the one I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Phantom Menace, um, because um, and it's 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 kind of there, it it is a very important movie with establishing. I, I know it's all about you know people kind of came down on it's like oh here's how Anakin met Obi Wan here's how Anakin met, here's how R two D two met C three PO and here's how you know but but those things are important. To understand and I think it's also important to see I think George Lucas made a good point that if you would have started with an emo you know grumpy teenager as Anakin Skywalker then it would be easy to see him become you know because having taught teenagers you can see them that they're it's like man you can go one way or another but when you there's very few, very little kids where you see them. I mean, 
especially at that age that Anakin was, he was just a good kid. And I think that's very important then for the for the character of Darth Vader. I think it was also important to understand how the Empire came to be. You just can't start in the middle of a war. Um, so I think it's a very underrated movie. Um, so anyway, that's that's my hot take on that one. No, it's a good choice. I mean, particularly because it was one of those movies that did a really high and then fell, you know, really strongly at its initial run as... Uh, a lot of the attitudes about it change. For my underrated movie, I probably went with the other one that you were thinking of, Aaron, which is Solo. Um, Solo. That was my that was my other one. Yep. That's that's what I figured. You know, it's just because I mean, first of all, it's almost like the forgotten Star Wars movie. If it wasn't for Donald Glover and for um. Amelia Clark and the appearance of Darth Maul at the end. I don't think most people mention it or bring it back. Uh, but I find it such a. It did one thing that I think a lot of Star Wars movies tend to forget. It's fun. Mm. It's exciting. Like like there's sequences. Yes, there's some sequences and some stuff that just kind of makes you go, okay, I don't know why they did that. But the characters are in on it. They're they're had they're enjoying it. There's excitement. There's danger. Um, you fall in whether it's L three or whether it's Chewbacca or Kira. There's such there's such complexity to these characters, and I always love it when Star Wars is not afraid to go away from the Jedi v Sith central point of their story. Mm-hmm. Like when they actually go and okay, let's go take a look at this corner of the galaxy and let's follow these characters. And uh, it's one thing I'm looking forward to a great Mando and. It just—I love it for it for how much fun it is. So, but yeah, I, I think it gets way underrated by people. I agree. Like I said, that was my second choice. I agree with you 100 percent because, and for exactly what you said, it was. And I went into Solo like, why? Where is the, you know, where is my level of concern? Because I know that Han and Lando and Chewbacca are all going to make it out of here, you know. Um, but you're right. They just they did such a good job at making this a, just a fun adventure, and you're still gripping this the seats. So it's, it is. It's in, and it's very rarely on TV when they've got all the Star Wars stuff on TV. They don't have that. They'll, they'll play the Last Jedi over and over again, but and the Rise of Skywalker is on all it. But Solo they don't play. It's also the box office was. A- you know, a tremendous disappointment. Um, you know, the critical reception was so so. So there's a lot of reasons that you could point to as it being underrated. Um, it and uh, I'm with both of you. I love that movie. I think if anybody out there is a New Hope fan and you haven't really given Solo a chance or you haven't revisited it in a while, you might want to think about doing so and, and looking at it as if you're watching a new hope because it comes the closest to a new hope in tone uh in my humble opinion um, you know and it's kind of the you know some of the criticisms that people had of it, it's kind of like what i said about phantom Menace, like oh here's how r2 met 3po and stuff like people had a hard time like here's how han got his blaster here's how han got the millennium falcon um but i mean that's also you go back to um indiana jones the last crusade here's how Indy started using the whip and here's how Indy got the hat. You know, it's like one of those things where it's those types of things are fun, you know, just yeah. 
it just because it becomes such an iconic part of a person's like how did they how did that happen how did that start um so anyway i stepped on you there dave what's your oh. underrated uh, I'm going to go with Attack of the Clones, uh, the other most uh, maligned uh, prequel film, uh, along with Phantom Menace. And I feel like, um, first of all, I think like I can't um, remove my own personal feelings on the matter, which is I go and I watch this movie in the theater. I love it. Um, there are issues. We all know what those are. But by the end of it after a couple of viewings i'm thinking this might be my third favorite star wars movie at that stage of things upon release it was maybe my third favorite star wars film and um obviously it's tumbled down the rankings over the years as more quality movies have been released but um i just like the whole mystery aspect of it i like the um I like how different it is. It tries a lot of new things that we hadn't really seen in Star Wars before. And whereas Phantom Menace felt very safe in a lot of ways, it felt like Return of the Jedi re- re- reborn. Um, Attack of the Clones was just wacky. Um, <laughs> and you're right. And, it was a, it was a whodunit, and Star Wars yeah. hadn't done a whodunit. Yeah, and yeah, and and then. You know, you go to the end of it, and the end of it is just balls out crazy, and you know everything. Yoda's jumping off walls, and I mean, like, it's just, it was just madness. Um, and I'll always just have this warm spot for it. And I think, like, yeah, like you have to go in knowing when you're about to sit down with it. It's like it's on TV, it's on you know TNT or whatever. You're like yeah there are certain scenes that i may leave the room for i may turn the volume down or whatever but um i think if you can do that um you're going to enjoy a lot of the rest of the movie i mean i I, it's hard to argue with that one as i'm thinking about it because i remember sitting there going you know when they just casually talk oh yeah master sifo diaz did this and i didn't master sifo diaz and you're like who the heck is master sifo diaz and you're just like where what i miss they i mean because of those types of things they get you hooked you know like who are they talking about you know um and like i did you're right i do like it's the only only whodunit of the of the saga i believe isn't it basically i like i like whodunits and i like heist movies and solo is a really good heist movie yeah. and and uh, attack of the clones is a good whodunit all right uh, oh oh no go ahead yeah, no, I'll just say right quick on a, on Attack of the Clones. I think the the hard part is with it is because it's doing a lot of work, and that's that's one of the I don't know one of the disadvantages for the way that starting the story with Phantom Menace that is, it had to reintroduce a lot of stuff like it was new for the first time. Like we knew who Anakin and Obi Wan and Padme were, but we're meeting them again for the first time because the dynamics have shifted. You know, characters have grown. The situations change, and then we're meeting characters, whether it's Count Dooku or Jango Fett, and it's a whole different dynamic in place. And I think, in retrospect, it probably may have been too much to chew all at once, because it's a love story, it's a whodunit, it's the you know descent into civil war movie, 
it's political intrigue it's got all these elements and it may it may have been just too much you know too much on that buffet plate all at once but the fact that george lucas is willing to say yeah i'm gonna put all this in here and you're gonna like it and people went out to see it so i can't be mad at him so i want to give one more comment about my choice of phantom menace and mm -hmm. i think it was i know and i know people like um battle of the heroes and i know people like uh across the stars um but i think that the music for phantom menace is much more thoughtful as part of the story as far as you know characters having themes and calling back to past themes and just i think john williams was um at his best in the prequel trilogy there i mean not to say that the other music was bad but it was like you said how um you felt solo harkened back to a new hope i felt phantom menace musically harkened back to a new hope um now scenes scenes i've i went back and forth on this one too and i've i've got one that i think uh might be surprising um and i'm gonna go with um the scene right before well it's the scene where yoda moves the light the the x-wing okay. and it's not the part where he moves the x-wing but it's his whole reaming of luke and explaining the force and with it, it, it's a scene I think that people probably feel is kind of slow, maybe unnecessary, anything like. But it's like you're getting you're getting such a lesson, and I just think it gets overlooked in all of Empire Strikes Back. You know, all the other things get a lot more attention than Yoda saying the Force. It's in the rock. It's in the ship. It's you know, it's in all these things, and you know judge me by my size do you you know all those things i think i just think it's an over uh, it's an overlooked scene in empire strikes back as a whole because the dagobah stuff moves slow but, and realistically it's one of the few instances where we get actual honest to goodness thought and discussion about the force the nature of the force mm -hmm. which you know get you know, George writes it in a very Eastern philosophy way of just being broad, and because because it allows you to kind of play with it. There's no limit because there's no boundary set to it. There's no uh, explicitness that you can break later on if you decide to go do something new. It's kind of one of the funny things that all the fanboys got mad at Ryan Johnson with the last Jedi. It's like the Force not allowed you to do that, and you're like, the whole point of the Force is that you can do anything. So, well, that... uh, but it's one of the few moments where you actually get an explanation of what how the, what the force is and how it works i mean that's the thing is that you know the only thing we knew about it before was obi-wan saying you know it's an energy field that binds the universe together it's like no okay and then yoda <laughs> yoda's like you know i mean it just no it is about these and it you know it, it's it's such it's like i said it's such a good lesson um and it also elevates yoda as a character as well to show okay he is it's it's kind of like that that professor that you had in college when you realize you know it's kind of like, well like my jazz history professor i knew that he was a good bass player but then when i found out that you know he gigged with um buddy rich and he, it, it it just like elevates you it's like you know you just wow he's now up on this other pedestal now because of and that's what i think what happens to yoda in that scene 
is that we find he's not a Muppet at that point. So mm-hmm. that was my choice. It's a good one. Yeah. So for me, I I was trying to think what's a scene that's underrated, and I kind of I found this one. It's kind of interesting. It's Rogue One. You know, we're talking about Rogue One. It's the beach assault, the start of the beach assault, when mm. the rebels, you know, while uh, Cassian and uh, Jin and K2 are, you know, walking to their base, the rest of the infiltration team is going through the beach, laying traps. And it's like, one of the things Garrett Edwards does really well is he's ratcheting up tension. He's ramping up, he's showing you Jin and Cassian and K2 walking through the base. He's showing you... Um, uh, uh, what's his face now? Jeez, I forget. Um, uh, the bad guy, Krennic. the bad guy, Krennic. Yeah, Krennic. Thank you. I couldn't think of his name all of a sudden. Uh, Krennic and escape, you know, you know, at the base. So, and then you've seen all, you know, uh, Chirrut and base and the rest of the team just moving along. And you're just like, right before, you know, the moment, uh, Cassin says, light it up. I realize, wait a minute, I've been holding my breath in. <laughs> because you know that there's going to be a moment when it all kicks off and up until that moment I'm like there, you know, there's not many moments in Star Wars where you just have tension building and building and building because it's usually you know, action reaction there's a moment of suspense and it gets quickly resolved because you move on to the next this is one of the few moments where it just built up until that first blast of, you know, the first bomb going off and then, because you know the moment it's off they're outnumbered, they're outgunned more likely they're not going to make it out alive, but that's the moment it all kicks off. And I'm just like, wow, Star Wars actually acting like a Hitchcock movie. I was just going to say Hitchcock. He's like, that. that's the perfect. And and, um, the, and the music matches person. that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the music mm-hmm. throughout. And so Dave, uh, Dave, before you give yours, is yours um, related to Rogue One? No. Okay, then I want to, I'm just going to say, I w- I'm going to dovetail off you, Fredo, and say that I think actually that whole battle sequence, mm-hmm. that whole third act of Rogue One, I think is probably one of the most underrated Star Wars moments. That is an awesome battle. The space mm-hmm. battle, the beach battle, and inside of it, it was so well done. And you're right, you're just, you know, of course you're losing everybody right and left, but that, that is... But nobody really, nobody really talks about that just from an emotional standpoint. So I, I mean, except for the people dying, that's all they ever talk about. But all the things that happen, you know, getting through the shield and the rebel fleet coming through and taking out the star destroyer, you know, and everything. It's just that's a great third act. The so. only thing I can compare it to is is World War Two movies like The Dirty Dozen yes. or Where Eagles Dare. Yeah. Where, where you know at some point something's going to happen that's going to throw the whole plan out the window and now you're improvising and our heroes might not make it out alive, but it doesn't matter. That's it. You came for that. And it's uh, it's one of the few times where uh, Star Wars actually brought that element in and I'm yeah. surprised that, you know, we don't get more of it. What a great space battle. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I, um, I almost went Empire Strikes Back as well, Aaron. Uh, that moment when Chewbacca is sort of having his Hamlet moment with C-3PO's head and uh, is repairing uh, C-3PO. It's just like, I always find that so touching, compelling, fascinating. I, I don't know what it is. It's, 
couple people in, a, in, in like a guy in a dog suit and, and then, you know, like this prop. But mm-hmm. um, God, there's just something about that, that quiet moment. Like you need a break at that moment in the movie, I think. And it's like, we're taking a breath because we know everything's going to get ratcheted up here. Oh, shortly. And, and Chewbacca's but, losing everybody around yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, I'm like, everybody loves Empire Strikes Back. I can't go Empire Strikes Back. So um, I went with the pod race. Hmm. And I know it's really more sort of people are divided on it rather than everybody hates it. But there are a lot of people that talk about that sequence being pointless. And it's just not. Um, I mean, story-wise, it's critical to their journey. They have to win that race to advance in the story. Otherwise, they're going to be stranded on this desert planet forever. Um, so, okay, the, the stakes have been established. But then it's the execution of that sequence. I mean, the, the, the feeling of speed that they achieve racing through those canyons... Um, the sound design by Ben Burt, um, the fact that the John Williams score comes in at the end to ratchet things up to like this whole nother level. Um, I just love it. And again, like I'm not like this big, um, Jake Lloyd is the greatest actor ever, but I'm also not a basher of him either. Um, I was just sort of like, eh, you know, um, Gosh, I'm invested in the outcome of that race, even though I know he, they have to win somehow. Well, but it also it also establishes, you know, the well. It takes the when I first knew your your father, he was a great pilot. Mm-hmm. So you have to establish that this kid has some skills, you know. Right. So yeah, it's important from a character development standpoint as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You have to establish that. When I first knew him, you know, so it's like, kid has to be an amazing pilot right out of the chute, right? Well, they did that. They did that with this, and then they did it again later where he's, you know, flying the, you know, the Naboo Starfighter. But Worst, um, worst space battle in Star Wars. <laughs> you know, like, it, if, you, if you kind of squint, there's something there. You know, like, there are moments that are, like, kind of really nice where you can see the logic of the battle. But um, yeah, with this to me, I know people are like, "Ooh, the the momentum of the movie or whatever is." You know, I, I don't. I don't think so. I really think this scene works. The really only well. negative. The only negative thing in that scene, I, I would agree with everything yeah. you just said. Agree hundred percent. I love the Padre scene, except for Greg Proops doing the play by play. That's one of those. That's like Jar Jar stepping in. You know, poop on the streets of Mos Espa, you know, it's like, it's Skywalker, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, can we, why, I don't know. It's why not do, why not do it in Hatties and have, you know, the, uh, have the, uh, subtitles or it, but it's that just that over the top, you know, and I, Greg Proops was fun on whose line is it anyway, but I just can't, get that's the only thing that just makes me go in that whole you know that whole sequence but everything you said was 100 percent. yeah i think that's personal taste too like some of the jar jar stuff really doesn't bother me in the way that it does other people same thing with the greg proofs thing it's like yeah it's him yeah it's a little silly (laughs) 
Um, but you know, like the kids maybe appreciate that. So it's like, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah. It's kind of like the Ben Quaternaro's moment where all these four jet uh, engines uh, fly off in different directions. I, like I, didn't, I didn't mind that. I didn't yeah. mind that at all. That and I like that little, little, little moment. Mm-hmm. The pit droids, pit droids too. getting eaten by the, the engines. Droids. Yeah, all that was good. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say, you know, it's an ingenious way because you know, every Lucas always loved to put at least one racing scene in every one of his Star Wars movies. We had it in Jedi, we had it in Empire, we had it in you know, This was an ingenious way of making it, putting it an actual racing sequence into a Star Wars movie that actually impacted the story. It wasn't just people shooting at one another because yeah. they were technically thinking they're supposed to be shooting at one another. Uh, really, my only ever complaint of it is I wish it was a few minutes longer, just simply to flesh out what's happening. Oh, well, we watch the an extended version. Yeah, mm-hmm, <laughs> it's an extended mm-hmm. cut on the DVD, <laughs> I believe. Uh, well, there was actually, yeah. yeah, they did manage to do that. If, you, if people don't remember, the the original theatrical cut was a little bit shorter, um, mm-hmm. and they did extend it a little bit. But I'm with you. I I mean, I can't get enough of it. I think it's great because um, I think I mean, particularly for the character of Sebulba. It would have been excellent to actually see him being nefarious and taking out the other pot racers, like using his jets, uh, engine, uh, uh, the jets on the side of his engines in order to take out guys, you know, setting them up so they get taken out by the Tuscans. So uh, that would have created a bit more tension for Anakin. This is, you know, this is a hundred percent. I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, again, yeah. it's great. Um, as is, that's, yeah, that's we could have had yeah. a little more, um, it's it's classic George Lucas. This is American Graffiti. This is the guy who loves his cars. Um, I just I just watched Grease the other day with uh, you know with my family. We were watching Grease because Olivia Newton John passed. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and it was just like yeah, you know, sometimes you just need some good car action. <laughs> On that note, uh, <laughs> so uh, underrated character. Um, and my choice might seem like an obvious choice, um, and it's not, and it's not because of fans' reaction, but it's at the failure of developing this character, and that's Rose. I think Rose was the heart of the Last Jedi. And you saw it was being, I think Ryan Johnson set her up to be a leader and set her up to be an important, you know, uh, character. And then JJ just forgot about her and just didn't do anything with it. Um, But she's Finn's conscience, you know, through, through the last Jedi, she's, um, yeah, yeah, I just think I, I just think it's uh and of course then you do have the fan reaction to her. because um, I don't think they appreciate what she was doing to propel that story along, you know. Um but um yeah, so that was my choice was Rose. Do you have any alternates? Any alternates? Um I really didn't think of any alternates on this one. Okay. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, no, and Rose is a good shot just because, unfortunately, we followed the I yeah. mean, the way that, you know, she got built up, and then, uh, like I said, JJ just like, nope, I'm not doing anything with her, and that's disappointing, particularly in a movie where, 
the whole point of it is about the non-Jedi, non-special bloodline people actually stepping up and taking charge of the galaxy, and nobody embodies that ethos more than Rose. But yeah, you know, that's that's a very yeah, no, that's a very good point. I mean, like that's the whole point of the final scene, you know, with the, the ship. Shot, yeah, right. yeah, with all the ships. Uh you know, it's like normal people rising up. And it's like, well, why, how is she not part of that? Like, she sort of is, but it's just an afterthought. And it's just, I agree with mm-hmm. you, the wasted potential there. So at first I was going to go for my underrated character. I was going to go with Plo Koon, just because I love him in mm. Clone Wars. And, you know, I think I think he was a wasted character. I think, you know, we only got background shots and then his death and the movies. And really, Clone Wars did such Tremendous job for him. Ended up going the opposite way, and I'm gonna go with DJ. Weirdly enough, from the last Jedi, <laughs> because what he represents, and it's and I love his role and his journey in that movie. He is out for himself. He is Han Solo if he's not in that cantina to meet Ben and Luke. He's Han he Solo just without the ethics. Him, exactly. Yeah. He if he's never if he doesn't have Chewbacca by his side. If he doesn't have uh, you know, Luke fall into his lap and Leia fall into his lap in terms of just lifting, giving him the opportunity to be better, because Rose and Finn literally fall, well, not into his lap, but fall you know, with him, and he's got the opportunity to be better, to be the hero that Han ends up being, and he turns his back on it, and he's telling Finn. It's interesting, because much in the same way as in The Force Awakens, Finn is thinking about number one, first and foremost, until the very end. DJ represents the extreme element. What would have happened to Finn if he kept going down that route, where he's willing to betray people to their deaths, willing to turn their back on people in need, you know, lo- looking at people just as means to ends and how to, you know, get a leg up in the galaxy. And uh, I love that when you get a character like that because it's a nice juxtaposition that represents that some people are not just good, not just evil. There's some people who just offer number one, and you got to be aware of them. It is a good juxtaposition against uh, Solo. Um, Lando as well. Um, mm-hmm. In Empire Strikes Back, you know, Lando has the opportunity to completely turn his back on these people who need him, but he ultimately makes the correct choice and chooses to help. So... Um, it is it is just a really nice contrast because it's like not everybody's like that. <laughs> or if you give him the opportunity, just, not some people are just bad. I mean, yeah. DJ DJ wasn't evil. He just had no moral compass. Yeah. yeah, no interest and no interest in getting one. Right. He was given the opportunity to be the hero, and he says, "No, I'm good. I'm just going to cash in." And there's some people like that out there. Well, um. I got to name drop a couple of people. Bosk. Just so I can put the sound effect into the, uh, into the uh, podcast here. Uh, Niku uh, from Resistance. We talked about Resistance earlier. Um, Niku is hilarious. Um, to me, he's the main reason to watch that show. Um, but like, we're mostly been sticking to the movies here. So I'll go with the movie character here. Um, Django Fett, who, you know, on the surface seems like a forced 
<laughs> uh, four sort of tie-in between the stormtroopers and Boba Fett and finding some sort of connection because they have similar helmets, I guess. Um, but the character ends up being like so much more interesting to me than than that and i wish we would gotten a lot more with him um again like where do you where do you find yourself where you become the model for clone army I, it's like like how does one get to that point in one's life i want i want to know more about that i want to know more um about his relationship with his son and how that how he chooses to to allow that to define him and it's and... a character that's forgotten until the book of boba fett mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and um and i really like um i like the battles that he engages in like like just the the back and forth with obi-wan i like a lot i'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe especially on the platform when they're duking it out uh, I really like how he establishes uh, sort of an antagonism with uh, Mace Windu, like right away, and it's all done like through their actions. You don't, there's like not a lot of depth to it, but it's still like compelling to me. Like, how could two people instantly dislike each other and try to kill each other? Well, here you go. Um, these two are like that. Well, you talk um, about Fredo. You talk about the Clone Wars. I mean, Django Fett. You know was the i mean the model for what we now know of the mandalorians you know even mm -hmm. though it's argued was he mandalorian or whatever but i mean that mandalorian jedi conflict like you said using all the the tricks and gadgets against obi-wan you know it was so i think you're right it is underrated we don't you know it was just it, it was just like a fight scene it was just you know it was just a Boba Fett look-alike, but it really did establish what we know of the Mandalorian culture until the Clone Wars comes out. Kind of a pivotal character, too, within the larger story in that way, like you said, like as a model for this entire culture, but also literally the guy that helped create this freaking army, you know, like with without him, that doesn't happen. Uh, he's the assassin behind the whole, you know, assassination attempt. Um, you know, like just just like a really important character. And I think a lot of people, again, really were quick to dismiss him as being fan service -y, And that was it. And I think, uh, you know, because you're right, he's 100% underrated because we don't speak about him anywhere near enough. But also just the impact of his role and his character what I love the most, and this is one of the things that you find out as you watch Clone Wars, because you meet, whether it's Rex or Jesse or any of the other clones along the journey, they're all variations of Django Fett. They're all different aspects of him brought to the forefront, made stronger or weaker or different, because that's what the Kaminoans were doing. So there's a version of Django Fett that's heroic and true. We just call him Rex. There's a version of <laughs> There's a version of uh, of Django Fett that's cold, ruthless, calculating, crosshair. You know, there's a party dude, uh, you know, loves to fight version, Wrecker. That's J Django first version of, of, uh, of that, that's Wrecker. And it's interesting that when you, you forget about that, that these are all pieces of this one person 
brought out, you know, like like a like a DJ mixing stuff up, you know, <laughs> you know, bringing up the bass or bringing up the treble or bringing up this element, so to make a completely different person or character in this case, and but they're all in essence Django, which is why you know when Bo-Katan, you know, lay, lays into Boba decades later, it's like yeah, I've seen your face a thousand different places. <laughs> not talking about him well I think we had some good lists I can't believe we didn't step on each other I thought for sure we'd step on each other so um, so I guess well, do we for, do we have any parting shots Any we, we stuck with movie um, scene and scene. Uh, yeah. um, character uh, but uh, do we do we have any other underdogs that we were thinking about as we were putting this stuff together See, and that's doesn't have like, to be in those three me, categories just you know right like part of me was trying to think in terms of like underdog and i wanted to put some like chopper in there but then i went chopper is one of the most beloved characters in all star wars like you know can't put him in can't put him as underrated dude's awesome um uh, i'm trying to think you know it's it's uh yeah mm-hmm. it, I think what I struggled with with it was like I, I, scenes that I scenes or characters or movies that I had mixed feelings about, right? Um, so like, well, is it underrated if I myself am a little mixed on some of this? Um, the the Dooku versus Anakin and Obi Wan stuff might be underrated, um, just because I think a lot of people don't really rank it very highly amongst their favorite lightsaber duels. Um, but uh, I enjoyed both of those fights a lot. Um, I think Watu is an underrated character because people he's not the first person that comes to mind when you, you think of great characters in Star Wars, but uh, I am always massively entertained when he is on screen. I think um, the, uh, the one I was thinking mm-hmm. of, of my last parting one here is underrated book and that is uh shadows of the empire i i just i mean i know it it gets some criticism because of pheromones and you know prince caesar and stuff like but it is i don't know if you've read it but it's it's just a fun it's it's a fun star wars story that's set in between empire and jedi so it's it's uh you know it's it's just it's just a good it's just a fun story that got really got a lot of heat and people just kind of meh about it so anyway uh speaking of uh, one thing that i did was trying to consider will not be underrated uh luke training leia in rise of skywalker mm. part of me was like because it's such a great moment but then i went but is it one of the two or three moments that everybody kind of loves of that movie can it be underrated if that's you know like when you think of good things that rise of skywalker did right. that's one of them so it's like, yeah. can I call it underrated when everybody says that's my favorite moment in that? Well, one of the two or three. Yeah, like the Kylo battle uh, on the Death Star, the remains of the Death Star, Kylo versus, right. you know, and then the solo cameo and uh, right. all that. All that stuff's really good. Um, but I think most people uh, agree that's like, that, that that's, stuff's really good. <laughs> that's the stuff they're happy with in that movie. So I don't know if I yeah. can call it underrated. Because the rest of the movies not really consider that high. So, well, all you folks out there, let us know what your underdog is. What, uh, what, who you think is who, and what, and what movie you thought was uh, 
underrated in Star Wars. Um, and uh, Lumpy. Yeah, that's right. Lumpy. <laughs> Oi. Uh, um, B. Arthur's character. Um, so anyway, yeah. So um, like I said, we got a programming note. We're going to be off for a week. Um, and then uh, so uh, we'll, we'll be back. So you'll have a, a little bit of a respite from us. But so until then, we will say who dat. Who dat? Who dat? And everybody have a great couple of weeks. My